Lucky number 13, uh, super high sci-fi starts right now. So if you're superstitious, definitely don't listen to this one. <laughs> uh, we're on our 13th episode. I know everybody's very impressed. And uh, just to round out the quality that you can expect from super high sci-fi, today is going to be uh, a lot of actual news that is about um, a lot of things that people thought maybe 20, 30 years ago were great premises for sci-fi movies because they'd never come to pass, but uh, now it seems like we're getting there. Mm. So, uh, Sam, why don't you take us away? You had a couple news items. Yeah, uh, first thing, which was really, <laughs> someone someone posted on my wall about it, they nerded a little when they saw it. Boeing actually got a patent for... It's not not what everyone would think of, but it is a force field. Basically, they're using ionized plasma to shield. Um, I, I would imagine it would be jeeps and probably things that are contending against IEDs over in the Middle East. But it's basically a force field, but it only protects the people against the shock wave created by explosions. The shrapnel and debris still is going to get through. But I just think it was it's super crazy that you know we finally have someone who's willing to invest. And this type of technology that's actually kind of viable. I mean, if they bought a patent, if they put a patent out there to it, that's that's great. I mean, someone's taking the – it always costs the most money to get the ball rolling. Then everyone else can kind of just jump on that research and make it make improvements to it and make it better for much cheaper. But the fact that someone started it, I mean, hell, we could have real force fields in our lifetime. And I do know – I have some IT friends who are uh, in engineering firms and who are – Definitely working on the shrapnel component of that, like for force fields and whatnot. But I mean, you just got to think of the the various uh, ways that you could utilize this technology. I mean, talk about space travel and everything. Force fields, I feel like, would be a super useful part to getting us out there and protecting payloads and passengers and anything. And I mean, not to mention, of course, the whole uh, missile shield thing that has been thrown around since the 80s, which is really just shooting rockets as they start to launch off. You'd actually have a real shield that could be raised, like in Star Trek. So how does this work again? Can you explain it to me? Uh, yeah, sure. It's, um, it's you know, I and everything for it, because um, I, I am by no means a scientist or an engineer, uh, but one sec... One second while Sam Googles the explanation. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering because uh, you said it doesn't stop like actual physical objects from yeah. coming through this field. So um, I was thinking, okay, so it dissipates like like heat or something like that, or uh, like the force of a like a shock from a blast wave or something. Yeah, it's the shock wave is what yeah. it stops. So it's like that wave of heat and energy that pushes out from an explosion. That's what it's going to stop. Instead of the actual objects, yeah, I think it's like the the stuff that will shatter. You know, the whatever the force that compresses the air that'll shatter glass. You know, two blocks away from an explosion, right? But I, I think that that's actually a pretty big danger, from what I understand, for like a IED next to a Humvee or a tank. Mm-hmm. Even if the shrapnel doesn't get in there, your internal organs are so sensitive that having that shockwave go through your body can kill you. Just oh yeah, effectively. Yeah, it makes you make, can make your organs explode too. Right. I think it, that sounds like a really cool technology. I'm I'm glad that I, I don't know how many years Boeing put into that, but I'm glad that they're researching it. Because when you said that, I thought instantly of oh well, 
couldn't we, if we could miniaturize that somehow, like firefighters could use that to keep the the heat away from them if they're entering a burning building or something. I mean, that's, then you could see that sci-fi technology at work in your everyday life. You could be driving by on the way to work and seeing people use that. Be crazy. I mean, the applications are endless here. I have a quick little blurb from sciencealert.com. Um, their proposed system involves using a combination of lasers, electricity, and microwaves to rapidly heat up the air between the vehicle and a blast. The heat creates a plasma shield that's denser than the surrounding air and able to deflect or absorb the energy from the incoming shockwave. Okay, so they're just using like an opposing force. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, you know, it's just it's the first day. It's almost like... um. I think a good analogy is with uh, hands-free gestures, stuff like with video games, for example. You know, no one, everyone wants to use the like the Wii type stuff, but no one wants to take the first stab at using hands-free stuff because, of course, it's not going to be great at first, and you're just going to spend a lot of money to develop it, and then everyone else can piggyback off it. But the Connect with uh, 360 from Microsoft, I mean, it's, it suffers from some of those problems. It's not perfect, but they let people, they made it completely open. They let hackers go wild with it and everything. And I think through that, it's only going to get better and better. And we're going to have other things off of it. It just, it takes someone to, it takes a big company or someone willing to invest the time and money and something like that for that tech to really take off. And I'm glad Boeing, Boeing is a pretty big freaking company. I mean, I, if anyone's going to do it like that, I feel like they're a decent name to get it started. Yeah, now we have really innovative startups too that are doing the same thing. I was thinking of Leap Motion when you were talking about the motion technology, stuff like that. And, you know, I'm sure that they're going to get acquired sometime in the near future or in a couple years uh, because their technology is pretty cool and it's kind of pushing the motion forward. So, yeah, I see a similar future for things like this force field technology, especially if they uh, open source some of the patents on that. Mm. Or you know, license it out a bit. Right, right. A lot of startups or uh, other thinkers could get in the game and come up with some applications that perhaps Boeing isn't thinking of. Because when I hear Boeing, I mostly think of their aerospace and defense manufacturing. Yeah. So I, I think they're probably thinking about those markets when they develop technology like this. So it kind of be interesting to see what people in different uh, you know, markets and stuff think that they should do with that like uh, we were talking about the firefighter thing and all that mm. yeah i think it'll have a big application meaning in the military I, I i'm not a pilot myself but i have to understand that something exploding near you in the air would probably fuck up your flight a little bit right and even something boring and kind of mundane like now i'm thinking that you could use a low-level version of this to maybe dampen out sound mm. or the, the the waves from something so you could make a demolition less uh i don't know obtrusive if you're blowing up an old stadium or something mm. or fuck did you uh i know you didn't grant but did you play uh call of duty advanced warfare sam no i never got to that one actually one of the things they had in there was uh it was like a, a sound sponge that mm-hmm. you kept using for like breaching doors so somebody would stick it on the wall and turn it on and it would dampen the sound so that the the enemies in the surrounding area wouldn't know that you had broken into the room and killed their compatriots. Huh? So I see like, I, there's a lot of from aside from like the boring consumer stuff of soundproofing a room, I guess there's a lot of, uh, military. business or military applications for that angle on it too. 
Yeah. Yeah, you can miniaturize it and use it as a sound dampening technology for soldiers' ears, so then they can use uh, sound as a weapon for crowd control or something. Well, I was so thinking a little that, more nefarious. But. That um, the sound sponge that Boba Fett has in uh, one of those Star Wars books, can't remember. It must have been like those KW Jeter ones. No, it was, I think, the Han Solo trilogy that played the, not the old ones, but the... Oh, okay, yeah. Like the, the Hut Gambit and... Paradise Snare. Right, right. Yeah. Rebel Dawn, that was what it was in, the third one. Mm. See, Sam, you're learning about all these new stuff. I know, our, our, all these new Star Wars things. Yeah, our, our listeners are learning all about these uh, real-world applications, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Force Field's on the way in our lifetime. It's a plus. And uh, I guess the other big piece of science, science news is a um, l- little bit. This one was a little bit more in the headlines and visible, I think, than the force field stuff is uh, some Chinese scientists uh, kind of pulled the Gattaca move. And um, t- they've they started to mess with a human embryo to um, to edit. They edited the human genome in a human embryo. Basically, they were trying they're doing it to try and uh, get rid of a disease in it. I believe uh, the disease was... I think I read about it. It's a mitochondrial disease, right? I think it was something like that. Um, the only thing is they they did it because uh, they were trying to get rid of it, but they didn't actually go back into a human, which is a thing, but they're still being called out for crossing a moral line that scientists have been very reluctant all over the world to uh, do. So that's uh, that's certainly a little closer. If, if our viewers, if our listeners haven't heard of Gattaca, I believe it was a 90s movie. Maybe? Yeah, yeah 90s movie. It was especially about the uh, not-too-distant future, really, where um, people can choose to have, when they have children, they can choose to ha- like what their hair color is going to be, eye color, they get rid of all the chances for um hereditary diseases and everything so basically it's designer babies and the crazy thing is is this really affects the status quo because uh employers don't want to waste money on you if you're one of these kids who are born naturally because when you're born naturally they can get a little print out be like oh you have a 70 percent chance of dying of heart disease by your 50s uh 60 chance you're gonna be like dyslexic things like that and a lot of interview employers, when uh, you get interviewed, they'll ask for a genetic sample, like your blood. And even if they're not allowed to do that, you can get it off a handshake. And apparently, the technology becomes very cheap and readily available. So all the quote unquote natural born people are stuck doing very menial jobs, like being cleaners and whatnot. So the story follows one person who kind of dis- a natural born kid who disappears, but. He wants to be a uh, astronaut. Of course, he won't ever pass the test because he has chances he's going to die. So this uh, Olympian who goes to Europe, and I guess the internet really isn't a thing in this quite yet, um, goes to Europe and basically um, is in a bad accident and becomes paralyzed from the waist down. So our protagonist basically pays him for all of his like genetic material, like his pee, his eyelashes, everything. So that way when he's at work, he every time when the our protagonist goes into work he has to like give a little blood test so he has like a fake fingerprint that he can use and a little bit of blood that he gets from the guy so that way he can fake it and it's all about him and uh whether or not he can get through all this cuz his shocker his um his brother 
who is a designer baby is decides to be a cop and is hunting down a uh, an imposter, which is him. So you know this step is something in that direction certainly because I'm sure I think they make reference to the fact that they started doing the whole designer baby thing in this movie because they wanted to get rid of the, all the diseases and everything. So it's almost like, oh, we're just going to do it for this reason, but inevitably it becomes abused. But I think I read that the these the experiment here it wasn't fully successful. Mm. They altered the germline in some cells, but they ended up having the mosaic effect where some of the cells, when the embryos started dividing, or the, what is it, the zygote starts to divide, mm-hmm. some yeah. of them had the modified germline, so they were free of the disease, and the others did not. Mm-hmm. So there's still a chance that the you know the embryo, if it were to develop into a human, would not be free of whatever disease they were targeting. So I guess that the they took a stab at it, but they didn't quite make it. Mm-hmm. The technology is apparently just not quite there yet. Yeah, I saw that too. But this seems like the... I mean, everybody's got to try it the first time. Yeah. It's just yeah, that not, they got called down on it. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure I don't. I have a problem with trying to treat and eliminate hereditary diseases because mm. that's not something that people choose. Yeah. Um, I just... I, I have a problem with them doing germline modification. You know, uh, modifying reproductive DNA so these become... Like a, a inherit, you know, hereditary trait, hereditary mm. trait. Sorry, and uh, you know, but I'm all for treating it during the person's lifetime. I mean, I think they're also they're working. That's the line, right? That they're debating on whether to cross. Is it okay? Do we develop the technology to treat this person's genetic disease and eliminate it with targeted gene therapy? Uh, just static during their lifetime or do we modify like reproductive DNA in general so that it's bred out of like the entire human species and I'm much more for modifying it you know on a case-by-case basis I think that's like the more sensible way to go that's just my opinion but I do love that movie Gattaca so (laughs) uh no, I, t- I I love that movie because it just I think the message is always even if you breed the perfect human there's still unanticipated things that you know people are going to do that make them superior, you know? Like I I love that scene where they're swimming out in the ocean. Uh-huh. You know, and Ethan Hawke's uh genetically engineered brother always asks him like, "Oh, you know, how'd you beat me?" and he says, "Well, I'd, I never saved anything for the swim back." Well, that's not something a perfectly genetically engineered person would think to do because they're too rational, right? Mm. Yeah. So that's uh another piece of some sci-fi which has the force fields that's 21st century living, I guess. Not that's there yet, but where the seeds are being sown for that type of thing, I guess. I mean, let's hope so. There's a lot of cool stuff that they could uh, end up doing with both technologies. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, well, I always read that you know one thing was for space flight and everything. The human body is not really that well adapted. There are a lot of issues that happen. Apparent. I was just listening the other day to uh, NPR, and apparently, there's um one thing that ha- it affects males more than females. Apparently, is um their legs seem to get like really skinny and it almost looks like their face is kind of puffier and their heads are puffier. Apparently, um, mostly in males who are in space for a period of time, they all experience for the most part, some, um, vision loss. 
And originally they used to think this whole chicken leg type thing was just kind of a funny thing, but now they're starting to think that it um it actually has something to do with the vision loss. So a lot of people have for a long time said that in order to make us really more of a spacefaring people, that we probably genetic modification is not the worst idea in the world because our bodies, you know, our bodies are made for living on Earth because that's that's where we're from and everything. So I guess they, they thought that, you know, if we do some genetic modification, we could actually have some real spacefaring, like, ability in some regards, and we could survive, like, deep space flights better. Yeah, or we invent something like artificial gravity, mm. and we're using, like, a, you know, a centrifuge-type spaceship design to, you know, kind of spin ourselves into the gravity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like, that movies. That's, like, the 2001 version, and then, you know, Star Trek, they do the gravity, artificial gravity plating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they actually just... Uh, they just—they're going to launch a mission, or do you guys know about this? If they already did it or not, but they—they are going to launch a like the longest space mission uh, in the history of the space program, and in, like astronaut—I think it's Mark Kelly and a couple other astronauts are going to be up there for more than a year. Yeah, and the whole purpose of the study is to determine the effects of zero gravity on you know the human body and things like that. Yeah, there's—I I heard there was the whole third. Um... It was either the third or fourth quarter, the third quarter effect, where it's it's basically like they had they were doing experiments on Earth with it, and they, one of these guys, it might have been Kelly, like he was up there for six months, and a big psychological problem was like when he hit four months, he was very much in the mindset like I want this to be over, I want it to be done now, and so they've done some studies on that, and they found that like it's a real thing, the third quarter, but by the third quarter of this mission or whatever you're doing when you're out there, the human body really gets sick of this. The human mind really gets sick of the whole thing. So, oh, that's really interesting. So it's kind of like your body physically rejects being in space, so it starts to produce like a psychological effect because I, of that. Yeah, so I it's guess like so. cabin. It's like cabin fever in space. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. good analogy. It's a very very possible thing. That's uh yeah that's so that's uh another thought for I guess how this could be some application for this type of thing in the future. Oh, also just got a shout out that. Gattaca for a, a movie about a guy who wants to be an astronaut. I love that the only um, kind of space stuff that we see is maybe like two rocket ships blasting off. But yeah, the, the like the sets and stuff in that movie are always very austere, and you know, like you see, like maybe what like two. Or, it's all centered around like two or three buildings, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's like a couple like random like sewer places or like just roads or highways, but. For the most part, it's very, very little set stuff or outside areas, and you just see like two ship rocket ships in the distance, which could be anything just blasting off into the sky. And then you see the end, yeah, where the the creepy doctor looks at his cock. <laughs> That's how he knows he's he's not a genetically yeah. engineered human because he holds his dick with the wrong hand. But the doctor lets him go on like the flight to the sun anyway. There's like a satellite they're going to orbit around the sun for some reason. Yeah, I thought it was he uses the blood and he doesn't have the right blood. And the guy, the doctor, like knows and he's like, I don't care, just go. Well, I think the doctor catches him, like, because the blood's going to fail. But he catches him with his hand and the wrong hand in his dick and just like, yeah, I knew you were in whatever in in invalid whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. natural born or whatever. Yeah, I knew you were like the whole time. Go anyway, because I don't know why. Just go anyway. Even even though this guy, 
the protagonist. Spoiler here for anyone who hasn't seen it. If you haven't seen it, you really should. It's great. Classic I think they've, they've seen the movie now that we've described all the salient <laughs> plot details, so they can just skip watching it. The uh, the protagonist was supposed to die in his, what, like, 30s or something? Like, a young age from, like, heart disease. Turns out he didn't. Yeah. Because every day is a blessing or whatever. Well, and I yeah. love the end of that movie, too, because I think the doctor lets him go because he is smart enough to realize, you know, the effort and the precision that it took to fake being a genetically superior human. <laughs> You're superior anyway just for doing that. You deserve to go on this trip. Mm. Well, there's always, you know, I I can think of now that comes to mind, of course, is um, the short, faded, sadly, show Star Trek Enterprise, where um, they had the whole eugenics plot line for a while, and... They had um, data. The guy who creates data, Doctor Sin Sing, yeah, is Doctor Ark Sung. It's Soong. A, the the ancestor of Doctor Noonien Sung. Oh, so it was. It wasn't. He didn't create data. That was just his. No, no. Like no, his great his grandson yeah. creates data. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. He had. Um, he he made. He basically made superior human beings, and apparently in Enterprise they reference back to the eugenics wars. And how is big battles between uh, modified humans and non-modified? I thought that was always interesting. The doctor, Doctor Flocks, comes from a race. Um, I'm blanking on their names, but um, how Deno- the Denobulans? Yes, thank you, the no- Denobulans. How they just had they like they. He's like, yeah, we've been genetically modifying like ourselves, like in our our offspring for like decades now. It's too bad you guys couldn't figure it out without having to have a whole war. Oh, well, I mean, let's not talk about Enterprise. There's just <laughs> too sad. No, I'm I'm happy it's done. Yeah, to be honest with you, I was never really a fan of Enterprise. Uh, the first two seasons were Captain Archer's going to sit in his little cabin and sulk that it's not the 23rd century or the 24th century, and the Federation is not the preeminent power in the galaxy. Though he doesn't have any reason to know that, he's still fucking pissed about it. Uh, and then the third season is like Rick Berman and Brandon Braga going like, oh fuck, we got to do something now. And then the, the, th- the third season is really Aliens, Colonial Marines, yeah. plus Star Trek. Yeah. It's like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna go into this creepy place for the whole season. Yeah. And then we we defeat the guys in the creepy place. But then there's this other problem, the fourth season, and I don't know. Fourth season was alright because they put the Federation together and it was pretty cool, but uh, yep. most of this the series was spent so much time like lamenting the fact that it wasn't the next generation, just like, alright, well make your own fucking series then. Like don't don't bitch about the fact that it's not the next generation. And then the whole series turned out to be a holodeck simulation. <laughs> yeah, that too. It's you know, Commander Riker's holodeck simulation from season seven when he's trying to like debate telling uh, Captain Picard about Admiral Pressman's secret cloaking experiments on the what's it, the Phoenix the, or the Pegasus? The Pegasus, yeah. And then yep, he leaves because apparently Riker was chef the whole time, and he learned about morals by talking to the Enterprise crew and making birthday cakes. <laughs> I, you know, though I, I did like it for if one reason. Um, I wanted to see them get all the cool tech that I knew they would have in Next Generation. Like, I and this was a real big disappointment for me that they never did it. I like that we got to see phasers first come instead of just because in the beginning it was just like shoot the torpedoes, which is like basically just missiles. Shoot the missiles at them. Getting phasers was fun. I was really disappointed that they never acquired shields. That was the biggest fucking letdown ever. Every time it was like, oh, an enemy's attacking? Polarize the whole plating. It's like, oh, okay, that's going to do like 
God knows it's going to do nothing. So it was a waste of fucking time. But somehow they never managed to acquire shield technology during that whole series. Well, I think that's why we should, something that we talked about a long time ago, relatively, should uh, be excited for that Axanar movie. Yeah. Yeah. Where actually some real shit's going to happen. Well, because part of the setup for that and like the mockumentary interviews they have is um, the Vulcan ambassador there saying that, you know, we still refuse to give the humans our technology, but the Andorians didn't have any reservations about that. Yeah. I did like the Andorians getting some time in Enterprise. That was interesting. Yeah, I liked that. I liked, uh, fuck, what's his name? Captain Shram. 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 No, I, I know Shram, but who plays him? Oh, um, he's been in yeah, every he's single been Star Trek. Yeah, he's right. He's Wayun. Wayun. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Brunt FCA. Right. He's, yeah, and, uh, he's been in almost. Oh, jam. Uh, yeah, and he was in. He's the guy in Reanimator too. Huh. Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, I knew it was just something. Something with Jeff. Yeah, he's cool. Shran's cool. Just the. I don't know. My objection to Enterprise is that I like they put the stuff in there. I like that they found the holodeck. Mm-hmm. They found replicators in that creepy station that kidnapped uh, Trap. Not Travis. Kidnapped um, Trip. The navig the navigator was his name. Travis. Yeah, it was Travis. Trip Travis. Was the engineer. Travis Mayweather. Oh yeah, Travis. I liked all that, but it was just if you're going to have your series, it's like this is humanity's Starfleet's first try at exploring space. Mm-hmm. You know. I understand it's hard to do because you're writing with all that other stuff already existing, but less time discovering a new culture every week and being sad you don't have shields. And, <laughs> you know, more time being your own series. I, I wish they'd done more with the Romulans. I, I'd always, I've always really wanted to see on the whole Romulan Star Empire and the wars that happened between the Federation and um, the Romulans. Uh, they hinted at it like several times in the thing when they had that dude from the future come back. Um, and at one point or two, um, the main character, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. What's the main character, the captain, captain Archer. Thank you. Yeah. Captain Archer was like catapult to the future where there's like a ruined earth. And he, he finds a book saying Romulan star empire. And that was what I guess kind of packed me off most about the whole thing was that it starts with the, the same way that the next generation starts with Q doing weird Q shit, mm-hmm. they put that sh- that uh, fucking crewman Daniels asshole in the first episode, yeah, and then like made that into a mystery. And you know, crewman Daniels's quarters were sealed. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, it's always a big thing. Like unseal his quarters and get out the future tech. Like what the fuck. <laughs> it's like you know what? If that happens, like no, you're gonna go through that room with a finely toothed comb, and you're gonna get everything you fucking can. They'll give you any kind of tactical advantage. But just name him Crewman McGuffin or something. Like, <laughs> it was just that whole temporal cold war thing was so retarded. Like, uh, yeah, I think it was a recognition uh, subconsciously by the writers and the producers that the series wasn't strong enough to stand on its own, so they had to somehow link it to the larger Star Trek universe and kind of lean on that. Huh. But they could have just taken pieces of that. Like, they could have had the, the creepy... The room that the Suliban go into to talk to the creepy shadow outline guy. Yeah, from the... Who's, right, his his speech is not advanced enough to send people back, but they can send, like, a, a television signal back so they can talk. Mm-hmm. This, that would have been fine by itself. You don't need the, the grand temporal Cold War and you know, the Enterprise Q <laughs> defeating the Sphere Builders at the Battle of Liberty Blab. <laughs> you don't need that shit. 
artist may name him Crewman Q. Bring John Delancey back if you have to do that. Yeah. Don't, don't try and pretend it's something that's going to make the series better. Yeah. They did have one time where the Romulans actually came in. They had that, like, they basically had a, a spaceship drone at one yeah. point. Yeah. They was, were using the Andorian to control it. Yeah. And that was it. Then we never saw the Romulan Star Empire again. Well, there is that one episode where, um, oh, God, the Malcolm uh, gets the mine. Malcolm. Yeah, shoved through his leg. On the end of the hull. Right, and they're they're in the Romulan minefield, and actually the two Romulan ships are facing off with uh, Enterprise. Oh. But the, the, old, um, the old Warbird flying saucer ones, aren't they? Yeah, they're like a earlier kind of like flying saucer Warbird. Hmm. Yeah. Or Bird of Prey. Is Bird, Bird of yeah. Prey, yeah. Like the ones that show up in the original series. Right. Huh. Well, I guess they get, there's another one then. But, yeah, I just they didn't mention the Romulans or show them a whole lot, but they spent all that time showing the Borg for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I hated that episode. I'm vague. I'm I'm blanking a little bit. How did how did they bring the Borg into Enterprise again? So remember the Borg, the first movie, First Contact. Yeah, and how the Borg had like the the sphere that popped out of the cube. Yeah, after they did. and the the sphere was going back in time and trying to assimilate Earth. Mm-hmm. Apparently, some of the drones. Got lost in a some kind of crash or wreckage or whatever. And the cube blew up. Yeah, and they they landed in the the North Pole or Antarctic. I can't remember somewhere where it's frozen. Right, and they got frozen. Yeah, and then the Federation scientists are poking around the frozen pole for whatever oh, reason, yes. and they dig up these you know strange people wearing these weird clothes, but they look almost human. And then the Borg come back to life. They unfreeze themselves and start assimilating people, mm-hmm. and try to escape in a shuttlecraft and you know, do what they're trying to do in first contact, send the signal out saying, Hey, come this right here. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then they do send the signal. And that's like the whole resolution as to why they started showing up in next generation in the first place. Yeah. The first two seasons. Cause they finally get it, the signal and everything. And prepare. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they really just tried to add everything they could from the other series into that show. Well, and that they went the cheap route and started making like, you know, to Paul be like the eye candy and stuff and give her like the tightest outfits as po- you know, they <laughs> possibly could just like they did with seven of nine. They made her spend a lot of time in the decontamination room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you need to rub this cream on each other. Right. <laughs> Which seems like you could use a really shower to do that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or some kind of decontamination bath. That just seems like it'd be easier yeah, it was a little ridiculous. Plus, why are you wearing underwear if you need to rub it all over your skin? Like, <laughs> really? Oh, it's okay. Those parts are okay. Just, just. I, to... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I would rather have the alien flesh-eating disease on my arm than my cock or something. That'd be like, <laughs> that'd be a huge problem for me personally. <laughs> but I guess the CW drew the line somewhere. Was it, it was CW? Still, it was still UPN back. Yeah, then. Oh, it was UPN. Okay, sorry. The CW's predecessor drew the line. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So yeah. I guess that, that was a, a weird deviation. <laughs> yeah, I know it was in an Enterprise. But hey, speaking of Enterprise, I was going to say earlier, There's, I don't even know if there's a point in genetically engineering people to do space travel because uh, NASA have, may have stumbled onto warp drive. Really? We heard warp drive? Warp drive, yeah. 
I did not uh, hear for, this. For those of you guys who are physics uh, devotees, you might know the uh, name Miguel Albuquerque. I believe that's how you pronounce it. He is a Mexican uh, physicist who, I think in the late 90s or early 2000s, maybe did a, a complex equation showing that warp drive is actually possible, but it would require energy to the point where you know we can't produce that much energy to create the warp bubble and, and you know suck space in one end and squirt it out the other. But apparently, uh, while playing with something called the EM drive, so I guess electromagnetic drive, um, NASA was firing a laser at the front of it to see how quickly things were being inducted into the drive. And according to their readings, the lasers were being pulled into the drive at speeds faster than the speed of light. So, <clears throat> I none of us here are physicists, but from how other people have broken this down, uh, apparently what that means is that the EM drive is capable, at least theoretically, of doing the warp bubble thing where you and the ship are stationary, but you are bending the universe around you, so the universe is balled up behind you and kind of pushing you along like a spring, which doesn't, you know mean a whole lot now, but it could mean at some point that, you know, you could travel even to somewhere mundane, I guess, relatively like Mars in two seconds, as opposed to the maximum time we have now of like six months with the best engines we can get. Uh, or you can travel to Alva Centauri, check out what's going on there, see how Earth looked, I think it was four years ago, I think, is what it would be. You'd see Earth four years ago from Alva Centauri, and then you could just jump back and be you know however long it takes you two hours a day right so do you do you get past the whole uh relativity problem then yeah because you the the relativity thing is i think that if you're approaching light speed that's when that comes to but this is like a cheat that goes around it so if you set like a the back to the future experiment where you put the stopwatch on the dog if you did that with the ship your stopwatches i think would still be in sync and it would just be however long it takes for the ship to get to where it's going and come back, that the, the raw travel time is the time that would elapse with you sitting on Earth. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. so interesting. So it is like real legit warp drive. Now, NASA does say, they do caution that they have to repeat these results in a vacuum because they were doing this, you know, just in the air in one of their labs to truly verify it. But apparently, all the math, according to the people who inhabit the NASA Space Flight Fan Forum, checks out. And I have to imagine that they are the people who would check the math. Mm. And it, it seems legit. Wow. Yeah. So, so did, did they offer any insight into how long that would take to um, test and reproduce those results and then move towards like a like a functional prototype of that? Are we talking like a decade or 20 years or what? Uh, that I don't know. What I think the limitation here would be how big is the distortion it's creating, like how big is the warp bubble, if you will, mm. and how much power ne is needed to do that. Now, the cool thing is that this engine apparently requires no reaction mass, so meaning it needs no fuel. Like you're not, had no rocket fuel, none of that. It's just electromagnetic from what I understand. So if you have a... a excuse me, a strong enough energy source, you know, theoretically you could create the appropriate size bubble or whatever and just let it rip and go where you're going to go. Huh. 
Yeah. So it, uh, actually, to answer Grant's question, I was just reading this uh, entry here. Um, don't forget, this is a question about uh, whether or not there'd be time travel or people will be crushed to death. Don't forget that the ship is not really moving at relativistic speeds, spaces. So everything on the ship right. is, is just like you're sitting in orbit. Nothing's going on. The space is moving around you, yeah. not, not you moving through space. Huh. Yeah, which, which is which is very good thing because I don't want to be splattered against the deck. Right. So yeah, there's uh, people are speculating like you know with this technology you could predict like when a solar flare is going to happen or a supernova or something. The remote scout ship could say like, oh, supernova is going to happen. Come back to Earth and say, hey, you know, be on the lookout in five years at these coordinates. It's going to happen. And it's boring shit like that. Huh. Or you could do really cool stuff like go get an asteroid made of gold and bring it back. Yeah, I think that the space probe program would be the great test bed for this. You know, yeah. if, if you could get it to a point where you could get actionable data and be sending probes to like Alpha Centauri or, you know, like Mars in two seconds or something like that, I think that would that would just really accelerate the the science that we're doing around all those things. That'd be yeah. incredible. Especially the places that are close to us that we suspect have the exoplanets or the habitable life-supporting planets, yeah, you could send a probe there to check things out and then tell it, hey, you know, in 24 hours or whatever your local time is, just come back. Or we could do it to the, uh, that, moon, that moon on Jupiter that we keep getting those interesting results from, where, like, we see there, there's that light on it and everything. There's the one that we think that has, like, an underwater-type ocean-type thing. Is that uh, Europa that's the ice moon? Yes, I believe so. Uh, yeah. Which one is the one that we're not supposed to go to? To because the obelisk said not to. Oh, I think yeah. it's Europa. Well, I guess yeah. we should go there. Then. <laughs> yeah. What what obelisk told us not to? Two thousand one, a space odyssey. Oh, of course. Right, and then in the sequel, they actually go to Europa, and the uh, the message they get is, "Don't come to Europa. Every everything else in the solar system is yours. Just don't touch this place." <laughs> yeah. Which I think that all we're going to, if I were a betting man, I would say that I think that everything we're going to find there is just like maybe some exciting protozoan life forms, underwater plants, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I doubt we're going to find underwater mer people who oh, are yeah, sharing yeah. the solar system with us. But still, just finding something like an underwater plant or a protozoa that's that's alien, so not of Earth, that would be an incredible thing. I mean, that proves once and for all that uh, we're, you not know, we're, not, we're not alone, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think the mass on our side for not being alone. <laughs> I think that a lot of people who say or think that we're alone in the universe are... I guess, ignorant of the fact that we're one planet in one solar system in a galaxy of, what, billions of stars in a universe of billions of galaxies. So there's, you know, an infinitesimal number of stars and planets. Guarantee you there's at least a bacterium on another one somewhere. <laughs> right. I mean, I think Carl Sagan did the really, the best explanation. But that word, the, which one is that? Uh, you, you know, in Cosmos, he actually did the math and spelled out exactly what the probability was of finding a, uh, an alien race based on how many planets there are in a solar system, how many solar systems and stars in a galaxy and how many galaxies, right? And wasn't his conclusion that there are almost certainly aliens, but the question is whether or not we'll ever be able to reach them. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that where you have warp drive that, you know, certainly cuts out a lot of the legwork. 
Yeah, then it's a question of where do you go because there's so many damn choices. Go everywhere. Yeah. I mean, get this cheap enough that it's uh I mean, obviously space flight is NASA stuff's never going to be cheap, cheap, but yeah. down to the point where it's not, you know, 500 million a pop like the space shuttle launch. You could just send the probes out there, stop by the Voyager probes, say hi, mm. keep going. Maybe stop. Maybe tape a new CD to them to explain what's going on in the last like forty years. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, how things and, have changed. And update. Yeah, just put some like sticky tack on the back of a DVD and put it on there. Like the you know plus forty years. Yeah, seriously. So, so aliens can learn about the internet and porn and stuff. <laughs> well, that would certainly be crazy. There's always you know uh, my thighs with the whole thought that there's got to be intelligent life out there. What if our um, asteroid field is something of a protection for us and what if when we start sending stuff out you know what if we have an independence day type situation well too late because i mean voyager already left the solar system right yeah yeah it's an oh. interstellar space so you mean do you think the Oort cloud has discouraged aliens from checking us out maybe or, i don't know Man. or may- maybe they think that we just haven't had I, I hate to use this but to use like an interstellar type reference um, that because of it, it stops some of the randomness of like, um, like asteroids hitting and everything or comets, whatever that would help create life. So they think maybe there's nothing worth looking here. Well, I, th- I think that that's, it's probably factually true though, that having that cloud out there has it's intercepted some objects that are, you know, on a very, very elliptical orbit or something, but I don't, if, we're, if we're in the scenario where we have functioning warp drive, I hate to be the guy to bring up its its use as a weapon, but yeah. it, you know if you put a penny against something at warp speed, you could drive it through anybody who shows up. It's like I think the ultimate railgun. So mm. go ahead and show up, Independence Day people. We can skip the whole virus in your ship thing. We'll we'll just send like a soda can at warp speed through your ship. <laughs> yeah, America, fuck yeah. <laughs> we do love soda in America. God, yeah, make it a coke. Yeah, you just shoot skittles at them, <laughs> or skittles. Yeah, I taste mean, the rainbow, motherfuckers. I, I mean, anything <laughs> going that fast is going to be so devastating. I'm surprised, like the International Space Station. I guess it's it's very carefully plotted its trajectory, but I'm surprised, like a micrometeorite or something, hasn't skipped through there and fucked things up horribly. Mm. I mean, that's a uh, like I give credit to the the people that was at Bioware. Who wrote Mass Effect? All the people who wrote, I guess, the source for that, they're staff writers. Uh huh. Because one of the things they do note about, like, if you visit Earth, you can read a little info blurb about it, and it says, like, below this altitude, so, like, below this orbital band, you want to have your navigational deflector shields on because there's a bunch of shit in orbit that's going to wreck your ship if it flies into you mm-hmm. from all of our space program efforts. So, I mean, you know. Oh, there's another space thing, too, that I forgot to mention while we're talking about uh, space news. Um, Robert Bigelow, the I think he's Las Vegas uh, real estate developer, has gotten to the point where he has inflatable space station modules. Like, he's, the, he's researched these and developed them, so they're like inflatable space station modules, and they're fucking huge. And they're, one of them is being loaded onto a SpaceX rocket soon going to uh, Florida to go to the ISS. Huh. And they're going to blow up like a truly enormous module, just inflate it. It's like a ritual inflatable, I don't want to call it a bouncy castle, but it seems to be made of a similar material. 
So is it pressurized or not? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It's all pressurized and everything. So it's like a habitat or habitable space. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I mean, that's certainly Mars living or something. Maybe it could be used for Mars living. Well, I mean, just there's a lot of stuff you can do with it because now, I mean, the space shuttle was really cool and everything, but the payload you could take up, you had to put the space station together like piece by piece by piece by piece. I mean, one of the first things they did was put a robot arm on the space station so they could grab all the shit off the rockets in the space shuttle because you had to get these little tiny Lego pieces out and just bring them in with the arm and then have the astronauts go stick them together. Like, that's a lot of work. It'd be so much easier, I guess, just to inflate it. You could inflate whole sections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. But again, private industry is leading the way in uh, space innovation. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, I guess the two move on to the last yeah. to the two entertainment kind of sci-fi things because we've been pretty uh real yeah. science heavy for whatever, you know, which is a nice thing actually for once that we've got real science news in that regard. But uh I guess the first uh less less crazy thing is there was another Jurassic Park trailer launched. Um I don't know, I saw it, nothing real everything that we've seen already. No crazy big reveals or anything. We didn't see the genetically modified dinosaur or anything crazy. We saw Chris Pratt messing with the raptors a bit more. And Does anybody know what the uh, genetically modified dinosaur is called? The, Indo- the Indominus Rex. Yeah. Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. What do you think that they're trying to create with that? Their, you know, Linnaean name there. What do you think they're trying to get at? can't beat the dinosaur maybe he's really strong and powerful <laughs> i'm sorry it's lazy writing there it's just like come on man yeah yeah well is it lazy writing because you got to think like this is a they're supposed to be depicting like a global corporation in the movie right that owns jurassic park isn't that something that a global corporation would come up with that line or name the dinosaur that thing when they want to you know, juice up their um, their attendance at their park and stuff. It sounds exactly like what like Disney would do or something. See, I think that it would be like the X1 or something silly like that for its secret development name. Then it would have some dumbass trademark name like Lunchbox Ready on it. <laughs> like, you know, it's the Mega Rex or something. You get the Mega Rex playset. Yeah, I, I could believe that because then it would be easier to sell it. Yeah, it's Latin. That sounds like it's boring. The Mega Rex. <laughs> I guess the, the, the Latin theme is going around because they have, if you have well, a yeah. park, so they're I just mean, trying to keep it with that, maybe. I guess it depends on who named it, because if like one of their geneticists named it, I can certainly imagine they would do the binomial nomenclature approach. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's what I found out about the movie. Uh, I, I saw the same tro that you're talking about, Sam, but I also was on the, the media website for the film, and apparently the geneticist from the original Jurassic Park... Is, yeah! Yeah, Henry Wu, and he's played by the same guy, uh, B.D. Wong. Oh, cool, he's back. Yeah, yeah he's back in the cool. movie, and he's the chief. He's still the chief geneticist for uh, InGen and now the um, parent company, like Masrani or something. And, yeah, so I, I, I want to... If they don't explain in the movie or at least have some exposition on like his thoughts about what happened in the first park or something, I'll be really mad because you can't just tease us like that. Yeah. They have to. He has to he has to at least give us a line or two. 
Right. About how he got out of there or what? About how, but no, about he the le- or something. He left like the fucking day before. I was going to say, yeah, he was on <laughs> the, the boat that left before the storm, yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, just to get his perspective on, the character's perspective on how things have changed since the first park to now why this one is not going to fail or whatever. <laughs> well, I think that this one might not fail because their security protocol is a little better, so it can't be defeated by OS 9. <laughs> right, and the White Rabbit. Yeah, so maybe maybe they've gone to like RFID passes to make sure Dennis Nedry can't get into he can't get into the the embryo storage, so there's no reason for him to make the deal with the child rapist guy. Yeah, yeah. Dotson is a child rapist. Dodson, yeah. yeah, the actor who played Dotson is a child rapist. Mm. Really, no joke. Oh my god. Oh, you didn't know that? No, jeez. Yeah, we got Dotson here, everybody. See, no one cares, but I guess the police did. <laughs> So I, I think it's cool that um, this movie seems to actually, because the original Jurassic Park was never really about like the park itself. It was about like the morals and you know should you do this and what happens when you try and force nature into a little box. Yeah, I think it's cool to see this in the, the perspective of like what what would happen if Disney had dinosaurs. Like they obviously built some horrific new addition to their park, but how would you turn it into some kind of schmaltzy theme park shit like the giant Shamu? show they have at the splash yeah. like the thing eating the sharks on this like of course you'd do that and you'd sell t-shirts and hats and little like toy whatever that dinosaur i can't pronounce his name is the pleliosaur yeah yeah uh, the one the, that's what are you poison, or just the super small one that's no no not, not the dilophosaurus not the compsognathus the one the one that jumps out of the water and eats the shark in the first trailer. oh the uh the plesiosaur the plesiosaur oh, yeah. yeah just have one of those of course you'd have like the shamu splash zone show there naturally like, yeah, that's what you do if you own the theme parks. I think that's like a nice world they've built around this to make it look like this is what a dinosaur theme park would be like, not yeah. like the first one, which is kind of like a safari park. Well, so if if this is the same island as the original movie, right? I think so. Yeah. I think it is. So if we don't get anything in the movie about what happened to the old park, or at least show us like maybe they have like a memorial or something to like the old park. That's what or, I was thinking. Like. <laughs> They have a plaque for everybody who died. Right, like the you know the Donald Gennaro like memorial bathroom yeah, stalls. The, <laughs> the Donald Gennaro bathrooms. You get the the Dennis Nedry stairs like on that hill he fell down. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean nobody knows how he died really. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I want to know what happened to like the old park and stuff like that because that's that's what I always felt that about like compared to. This movie, it seems like, you know, the old park was, like, total shit and stuff. Like, what they have, the they had the little visitor center, and then the the cars on the track, and that was the whole thing, right? Besides some, like, maintenance stations. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I... I... They could have referenced other stuff, but I feel like we never saw it, really. Right, the, I think the only peak you get at the rest of the park, which is actually a cool peak... It is canon, I believe, from the perspective that it was created, you know, officially. It's the Telltale Games, the people who make the Game of Thrones games, like the the adventure ones, the Walking Dead adventure ones, too. There's a Jurassic Park one where you play as, um, fuck, what's the veterinarian's name? Uh-huh. The guy who's listening to the Triceratops breathing, who has who has the gas-powered Jeep Dr. Somebody. Yeah, I know who you mean. Uh-oh. No, yeah, I don't remember. You play as Dr. Somebody, and he's, uh, you kind of navigate your way through the rest of the park. So you get to see his shit like the the rides, because John Hammond does say there's rides that they're going to launch, and there's like a dinosaur roller coaster. There's, you know, the 
their first attempt at like an underwater thing where there's the one of those plesiosaur things swimming around. So mm-hmm. I guess the uh, the same I guess uh, aesthetic behind that was applied to this new movie. I just hope that they rebuild the visitor center. I want to see that thing again. Like they, yeah. they can just build it back and do it over and do it right, and then you can have like a, a Tesla SUV pull up instead of the the converted Jeeps. Mm. Yeah, so th- but that's the sense I always got in the first movie. Like we were seeing not the the completed finished park, but no. it was just kind of like a skeleton uh, setup. It was like the the zoological part, right? I think that like the best way to describe it would be in like the the MVP for a dinosaur park, the minimum viable product. It's just like yeah. here's the landing strip. Here's the helicopter pad. Here's the roads. Here's all the enclosures, and here's the visitor center. Like that's and some toilets for some reason. Right. That's all you need. That's all you need to open your park and get the seal of approval from the doctors who are the experts. I hope this movie doesn't suck. I really because they've built it up so much with the marketing materials and the site and the little uh, leaks that they've done of footage. And I, I don't know. It just it would be so disappointing if we just found out that. You know, the total was less than the sum of the parts. Or, I mean, I think there's only truly you can only go up after Jurassic Park three. Yeah, that movie was awful. So there's infinite room for improvement. I'm hopeful. Uh, number one, because I think that it's not the Raptors robbing banks story for Jurassic Park four. <laughs> right. So there, there's just there's great room for improvement. So hopefully it's you know Chris Pratt's going to bring some of his Guardians of the Galaxy magic to it. Mm. Hopefully, so have some witty lines here and there. But um. That's not all the entertainment news we have, thankfully. Sam found another gem for those of you, who, especially those of you who are Star Trek fans yeah. like this. The, uh, uh, this movie came out, another 90s movie, I believe. I think 97. Maybe. Yeah. Um, the well-known uh, 1999 Star, oh. Star Trek spoof Galaxy Quest. 1999. Tim Allen uh, starred in this movie great really funny movie definitely worth a watch definitely a funny thing um is actually getting rebooted and they're gonna have a pilot a tv pilot of this movie to actually be a normal show and the film's writer and director robert gordon and dean parasa i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right are the ones who are going to executive produce the TV pilot version of Galaxy Quest for the next pilot season. And there are no real deal details about the cast, if they're going to get Tim Allen back for it or anything, although I don't know if his TV show Last Man Standing is uh, going to be Still around. standing? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'm, that's unfortunate for him, though, because if, if I'm guessing contractually, he probably couldn't even be in the pilot. No? If his, if his other show... Well, if his other show is being produced and it's picked up again by whoever's showing it for a second season, yeah, yeah he's probably is barred from you know being on other shows, which would suck because he was his like send up of Captain Kirk was good. He was, was fun. yeah, was the whole movie's great. Yeah, but just the how the they mock like the absurdity <laughs> of the original crew, like just the without any of I guess the cerebral stuff that they tried to put in Star Trek wherever they could to make it, like, actually have a point. Just the goofy shit, like... Red shirts? Red shirts dying, and the captain being, like, a, a cocky retard who's, like, 
unlike Kirk, who's cocky because he's competent, this guy is just cocky because the script dictates that he's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and Tim Allen clearly knows that. So, like, the actor he's playing knows that, you know, it's, he's going to come out on top. So it's like, you know, of course you're going to fire the torpedoes. Fuck it. Yeah. End of the script says your ship's good. And then they got the little kid as the pilot. Who's no longer a little kid. And uh, Right. <laughs> and they had a... Uh... They had they actually had some pretty decent names that they had what's his face um the guy who played Monk and uh, Tony Shalhoub yeah Tony Shalhoub was in it he yep. he was uh, definitely supporting actor but he was like every scene he was in was really funny he was great in that movie and Snape was in it and, yeah uh, Snape was in it yep. Sigourney Weaver yep. Sam Rockwell that was that was quite the cast there's one more person though we're forgetting but the Rock- oh, Mac Kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Mac Kid was in there. <laughs> you yeah. can tell we oh, really know. Justin yeah. Long. Justin Long. Yeah. yeah, Mac Kid was in there. But uh, I think Mac Kid was a cool part of that because, like, the, the super nerd fans ended up saving, helping to save the ship, so that's nice. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, well, Sam, you were telling us earlier before we started recording about the original draft where people were going to be beheaded at the convention when the ship bursts through the wall. Yeah, there was also going to be a couple sex scenes and whatnot, which is why. Sigourney Weaver near the end has her shirt like open in her bra, completely showing with her boobs hanging out. But they they nixed all that and made it more of a, I guess we could say family friendly version. But don't let that put you off because it's still a really funny movie. Oh, uh, they had to get that PG audience, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I imagine That's it was probably money ours. PG thirteen or whatever. Otherwise, they were going to get the. Uh, I really wish I could see because apparently it's the director's cut. I would love for them to release the R-rated version of that because that would be really funny to see. Well, but, I had read that um, the the producer there has said that the director's cut that Sigourney Weaver was talking about didn't n- never really existed. There's the 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 sex scenes that they they did shoot; those were cut out. Yeah. But like the ship decapitating people was never filmed huh. and the original script was like full of a lot coarser language, so you know, a lot of like fuck this, fuck that. Yeah. That was never filmed either. So I guess that they decided to go from like the the R script to like the PG quasi PG thirteen R script with like the decapitations and the sex down to they're just gonna shoot it without any of that stuff. Uh. Or not include that in the theatrical cut. That makes sense, but I, I guess on TV though. Although it's it's uh, from what I read, there's no decision on who's going to carry it. So hopefully it'll end up on Netflix or something, so they can do. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. You know, some not ultra sanitized network TV stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's one area I'd like to see Netflix really get into is science fiction shows because they've done really really well with, um, you know, the superhero genre. Yeah, and net- com and comedies. What's I just binged watched all that net uh, the. Uh- daredevil stuff very yeah. very well done they they definitely have a lot of credibility for st- doing their own content stuff better yeah. than ben affleck <laughs> oh yeah 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 surprise surprise oh joe pentoliano yeah <laughs> that, that would be a, a cool new platform for it or you know um yahoo screen if they want to add something else yeah, Yahoo, Amazon, uh, Netflix, uh, whomever. I, I mean, I think that just they have a lot fewer limitations than like network and cable right now. So, I mean, the if they can get good content, if they can make a good show, I think that the sci-fi is a good area for them. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully somebody, one of those companies, will spend the money to bring like Stargate or something, put that up on the air again. Uh, I wish. Ah, that's a kind of a big budget show, right? 
but at the same time, like, I don't want to have it look like Sanctuary where everything is a green screen because that, <laughs> right. that was annoying. But I think technology's advanced to the point where they can composite the shots together where they, they don't have to truck the gate out to every, like, the field next to their production office in Canada. Like, they can get away with, you know, a little bit more sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. Right, like a CGI gate is no problem to me. Yeah, I'm sure that there's somebody with a big enough... The people who are going to spend that money up front to do it correctly, Amazon or something, I mean, yeah, they could do a great job. They could do a great job with any sci-fi. You're right. Hopefully, it's going to be just something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's just dream about that because we all know that sci-fi will never, never give up the rights to anything Stargate related. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah. M- MGM yeah, yeah. wants it forever. Right. They they won't put it back on the air, but they won't give it up either. Which it's because they're doing. I, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. They're, they're right. The stupid reboot. Yeah, yeah the movie. Yeah. Just get yeah. rid of all the rest of the like franchise stuff that you've had for over like what fifteen years. Yeah, and that's what I don't get about. You know, people think this is a good idea. It's like think back. That movie is borderline retarded. It is a little stupid. Yeah, it's it's very dumb. It's it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. The concepts introduced in the movie were interesting and good and the series like delivered on that finally, but the movie itself was bad. <laughs> so why make another one that just throws away all the good stuff and you're just continuing around with the same like blasted story? Mm. Probably yeah. cuz the new one's going to take it in a darker and edgier direction. Yeah. Right? It's gonna be know. Grimdark Stargate. Are they Grittier. gonna get like James Spader back or <laughs> if they're gonna truly gonna reboot it, it's gonna be like I don't know, some jacked beefcake retard with some glasses on is gonna be Daniel Jackson. Mm. Is my guessing the way it's gonna go. And everyone's gonna have huge tits and <laughs> not gonna be wearing anything over their belly button. The military's uniform policy is going to be suspended. It's going to be the elite team. <laughs> Black ops that are off the books and don't report to any uh, any high, right. not normal chain of command. Yeah, and they got the NID. The secret, you know, <laughs> Stargate. They're going to find the Stargate buried at Area 51 or something, not in Egypt. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're going to have some spooky shit probably attached to it, like the prophecy or the stone tablet we found that never explained what this was, but, you know... Now we're going to activate it. I'm not enthused, but I'm going to go see it anyway so I can talk about how it turned out. Mm-hmm. So so has it been greenlighted? Is it in production, or are they just talking about this right now? As I, far as I know, it's going ahead. Yeah, I thought it was going ahead. I haven't heard anything about it since we last talked about it, though. Okay, so they've got a script, presumably, right? And they just haven't started shooting, or are they? They're still like kind of in the conceptual, like casting and all that, like trying to figure that out. Oh shit! Well, the last news I can find is from February 2015, so not that long ago. Uh, it's a trilogy now. Stargate reboot trilogy <laughs> is happening, and everything has to be a trilogy. Yeah, writer writers are attached, so I guess they're working on. They probably had a treatment, and now they're making it into a script. Let me guess: Roberto Orsi, Alex Kurtman. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Nicholas Wright and James A. Woods, who I have to imagine is different from James Wood, the actor, but who knows? Yeah, that I'm not familiar with those names. 
Oh, okay. Uh, both Wright and Woods are completely unproven as writers in Hollywood. Their only credit is having worked on the as yet unseen Independence Day 2. Oh, yeah. So we're getting an Independence Day 2 movie as well, right? Forgot but, about that. As you know, Woods was a voice actor in the Smurfs 2. So, fuck you. Is that the CGI Smurfs? They're all the CGI Smurfs, yeah. yeah. He was a voice actor in the Smurfs movie, so he's clearly qualified to write a Stargate film. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Bradley Cooper is apparently adapting uh, Hyperion, that novel and the series. But he seems to be able to actually, you know, act and hold a human conversation. So, what was that? That was a notification uh, from Messages app. Oh. Huh. But nobody on the podcast can hear that, thankfully. <laughs> So, so those are the uh, entertainment bits. All yeah, right, mic drop. I guess that's the entertainment bits. But real quick at the end here, I just want to give a shout out to somebody on Twitter, uh, very dedicated, uh, Mau Mau Nadon at SW Hammerhead, all one word, is going to try and get us some pictures of the uh, Sarlacc Pit Java Desert Skiff uh, Lego set he's building today. Huh. So hopefully we're going to see that because I think Legos are great. And I never knew there was a Sarlacc Lego set you could get. There's yeah. everything Star Wars now in Lego. I'm really interested, though. Is it like actually the Sarlacc is made of the different blocks, so it's like a blocky Sarlacc? Or is it, you know, Lego has, I don't know, go- gone for like the soft plastic material so you can drop the little Lego guys in there and they're gone? <laughs> that would be sweet. I, I want to see the pictures now, so uh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. And I know everybody's looking forward to hearing from us next week, so hopefully we will be back then like clockwork. Um, Fuck you. (laughs) 